This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. We are uh, in our Colossians series, so I do encourage you this morning to grab a Bible in the pew rack in front of you, or uh, if you've got the journal in your hand, as we travel through Colossians together. All right, I want to start this morning with a true confession. I love hymns. I am a hymn nerd. Can I get a shout out for any hymn lovers in the room? I'm really glad to hear that. I was a little nervous about asking that. Uh, If you're newer to the church, hymns are one of the forms of uh, song that we sing in the church. They usually have uh, more words. They take a little longer to get used to, but let me assure you, it is well worth it. You sang one as we entered the sanctuary this morning. Now, seriously, I love hymns. I think I've told uh, my choir over the years that about 100 different hymns make my top 10 list. I, uh, I've always loved hymns. Uh, my earliest memory was, I think I was about eight years old. I was standing next to my mom in church, and we were singing that great Easter hymn, Up From the Grave. And the first time we got to the refrain, I just busted out laughing. And my mom sort of looks at me wide-eyed, why is my son laughing at this hymn? Because I loved it. I loved how when we sang about Jesus' resurrection, the notes went up. Up from the grave he arose. And then as we sang about how Christ conquered his enemies, it traveled back down with a mighty triumph for his foes. I thought that was so cool. I was hooked. I later learned that is a musical technique called text painting. However, I think the thing I love about hymns even more than the musical content is their ability to pack in such an incredible amount of what we believe in such a small amount of space. As I've sung the same hymns again and again over the years of my life, the words of those hymns, their meaning, they've sunk into my heart. They've shaped my understanding of the gospel. Well, the verses we have before us today in our reading from Colossians, verses 15 through 20, most scholars agree it's a hymn or a poem of sorts, very likely written by Paul for this occasion, for the Colossians, although it's also possible that he's quoting an already known early Christian hymn. And like any good hymn, this one packs in some incredibly profound truths that Paul wants the church in Colossae to know and to hold on to. This hymn is all about who Jesus is. Father Matt gave a great introductory sermon to our series last week that we've titled Rooted in Jesus. If you haven't listened to that sermon yet, I highly recommend you find it on our website and listen as it'll provide context for our whole series. And remember what Father Matt said. The gospel is not first a message of do, 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 but of done, done, done. In Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So before we're called to do anything, we recognize what Jesus has done for us. All right, so I'm just going to cherry-pick on Father Matt's concept from last week, because in our passage this morning, Paul now turns his attention to the person of Jesus. So, after he's told us 
It's not about do, 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 but done, done, done. Before he gives us any do, 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 Paul wants to remind us of who, who, who. That's what this hymn is all about, who Jesus is. It masterfully explores Jesus' identity. So many of the major theological truths of who Jesus is are packed into this one verse. The God incarnate, the second person of the Trinity, fully God, fully man. It's all in there. So part of me this morning is tempted to just let the text stand on its own. Maybe I'll set it to music and we can sing it together and then I'll sit down. However, I've been told I cannot do that. So maybe uh, Alec and the team this morning can whip something together for the offertory real quick and we can sing it. We can sing it there. I mean, you really could chew on any given phrase in this hymn for an entire sermon. So I'll pause right there and I'll say it would be very beneficial to memorize this short hymn so that you could chew on each phrase and let it sink into your heart. But I'll venture this morning to draw out one phrase that's right at the heart of what we're exploring in this series titled Rooted in Jesus. It also happens to be at the heart of this hymn, literally right at the center of it in verse 17. And it's this, Jesus holds all things together. You could say it this way, we can be rooted in Jesus because all things are rooted in Jesus. That's who he is. Paul's saying to the Colossians, stay rooted in the person of Jesus. He holds all things together. That's the message at the center of this great and expansive hymn that explores the fullness of Jesus' identity. And it's the reality that's at the heart of our Christian faith. So in a season where we've experienced so much upheaval. When the world we knew just a couple years ago feels like it's been thrown into confusion, don't we need to hear that message again? Jesus holds all things together. And as I've been reflecting on that reality, I have two thoughts I want to share with you this morning. One I'd say is a cosmic thought, and then the other is a personal thought. But before we get to those, I think it would help us just to briefly look at the overall structure of Paul's hymn. This hymn has so much awesomeness in it, and I told you I love hymns, so we really could spend the whole time just nerding out and dissecting uh, the hymn in front of us, but I want to be careful that my words don't get in the way of such beautifully crafted words. The theme of this hymn is the person of Jesus, who he is. And notice how it brings together two foundational realities of Jesus' identity. Jesus is the Lord of creation, and Jesus is the Lord of redemption, or you might say, recreation. Look at the text, and notice how the first section of the hymn, verses 15 to 17, primarily uses verbs related to the act of creating. 
He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or rulers, or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. This passage is so rich that the Nicene Creed takes several phrases and ideas directly from it. Maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible, or seen and unseen. Jesus is of one being with the Father, and through him all things were made. The hymn is ascribing to Jesus attributes that had only been given by the people of Israel to the one true God. It begins with, he is the image of the invisible God. It's not that Jesus has displaced the God of Abraham, but that he is one with him. Jesus is the Lord of creation, the maker of all things in heaven and earth. And then look at the second section, verses 18 to 20. It identifies Jesus as the Lord of redemption. And notice the use of verbs related to the act of reconciling. Verse 19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus is also the Lord of redemption. It pleased the Lord of creation to empty himself, as Paul says to the Philippians, to dwell in our frail human form and reconcile us by the blood of his cross. And thus began his work of recreation as the firstborn from the dead. And we, the church, Paul is saying in verse 18, we are his redeemed and recreated people with Jesus as our head. Jesus is Lord of creation and also the Lord of redemption. I also just want to point out to you how in the middle of the hymn, we find our phrase there in verse 17, in him all things hold together. And notice how verses 17 and 18 hold these two ideas together, linking the two sections with this parable, these parallel phrases that both start with the word and. And he is before all things, before creation. And in him all things hold together. And then verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. There's also in these two verses this parallel theme of Jesus being the first or the leader, the one who goes ahead. In verse 17, he's before all things. In verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. Jesus is telling the Colossians, sorry, Paul is telling the Colossians that Jesus the one who has gone before us to bring us redemption and forgiveness of sins, he is none other than the one who was before creation, the one through whom all things were created, the one through whom we were created. That's who our leader is. That is who you are called to follow. He holds all things together from creation to redemption. There's no other place to be rooted 
but in him. So that's like a fly-by summary of the structure of the hymn with that theme right at the center. Jesus holds all things together. So as I mentioned, I'd like to reflect on two thoughts out of this reality. One is a cosmic thought, and one is a more personal thought. So here's the cosmic thought. Jesus holds the universe together. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. His arms are that broad, and his grasp is that firm. There's no place within his creation where he is not sovereign. There is nowhere he's not ruling and reigning. There's no challenge, there's no problem in our world that is outside his view or that's too great for him. He holds all things, all of his creation together. He holds the universe together. So two astronomers believe that they've discovered a ninth planet on the outskirts of our solar system. They say it's 10 times as big as Earth and 20 times as far from the sun as the planet Neptune. Nobody ever knew it was there, except Jesus. Jesus created that planet. Jesus had a plan for that planet from the dawn of creation. I have no idea what that plan is. I know it will feed my 12-year-old's obsession with all things outer space. All things were created by Jesus to the, to the far stretches of our solar system, to the far stretches of the universe. Jesus holds all things together. All right, super. What does that mean? I've been reflecting this week on my own tendency to shrink Jesus' capacity. I struggle with this um, even a few notches down from the whole universe or the whole solar system. When I look at the big problems or challenges in the world, or even in my own community, I get overwhelmed. The problem or challenge gets bigger and more overwhelming in my mind, and Jesus' power and authority starts to shrink. Does that ever happen to you? Does your heart ever start to wonder if he really does have the whole world in his hands, or even your whole little world in his hands? So Jesus has been reminding me this week as I've reflected on this passage, look to me first, to who I am. Be reminded of just how broad my arms are, just how firm my grasp is over everything I created. And I've been finding as I've reflected on that, my picture of Jesus has started to grow again. And so does the reality that he has authority over everything happening in our world. Is there any particular burden you carry for our world or, or for your community. Just stop and think for a moment. What great need has the Lord placed on your heart? Maybe it's a desire for the restoration of something that's broken in our world. Maybe it's a desire for beauty, 
You're an artist, a writer, a musician, a teacher, an entrepreneur, and he's giving you the desire to see something new and beautiful come to life in our world. Let me remind you this morning that these desires are holy desires. These burdens are holy burdens that come from the Lord. But the truth is they can quickly become crushing to us if we try to carry them apart from Jesus. We become exhausted, cynical. We start to lose hope. But as I've been, as I've been looking at this grand and cosmic picture of who Jesus is, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, who created all things in heaven and on earth. Jesus created all thrones, all dominions, all rulers, all authorities. I've been reminded of just how foolish it is of me not to take these burdens and these desires to Jesus, as if I was ever meant to carry them alone as if that desire didn't come from my creator in the first place. And as I wrestled through this reality this week, what started to happen was I started to feel the urge to pray, to pray more, to pray more audacious prayers, to ask Jesus for reconciliation and healing and restoration in the world, in my community, to ask him for beauty. And that kind of prayer, it hasn't felt like a burden or a responsibility. It's felt like a release. It's felt like I'm taking it to the right place. Jesus holds the universe together. His arms are broad and his, his grasp is firm. Nothing is too big for him. Not even a rock ten times the size of earth. He can hold and bear the greatest needs in our world. So bring them to Jesus. Bring them to the one who holds all things together. All right, that's my cosmic thought for you. Here's the personal one. Jesus holds you together. the one who is reconciling all things to himself, the one making peace by the blood of his cross, he desires to bring that ministry of reconciliation directly to you and within you, to your own heart, to every aspect of your life. Notice how after the hymn, in verse 21, the first words Paul uses to apply this broad and sweeping hymn, and you, it's personal, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. I love how one commentator puts it. If the hymn is like a map of the entire cosmos, the whole story of creation and redemption, then these present verses indicate where the ordinary Christian is on that map. Jesus' ministry of reconciliation is personal because Jesus became a person. The second person of the Trinity, the firstborn of creation, took on our human form 
a body of flesh to reconcile each of us, to reconcile you. Amidst the host of massive issues we've been dealing with in our world, amidst all the isolation and division, amidst all the national and global challenges, have you felt like what's gotten pushed to the side is all the stuff that's going on in your own heart? Jesus, the great creator and reconciler, he wants to hold you together. His arms and his grasp, they're also that gentle. All that stuff going on in your heart, that's also important to him. Let me remind you of Jesus' own words. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So perhaps the prayer for you this morning is a prayer of invitation to invite Jesus back into all the stuff that's going on in your own heart. You know, prayers of invitation aren't just for new believers. This week, I feel like Jesus has been giving me this prayer that I've been repeating. Jesus, hold me together. Jesus wants to hold you together. He desires, as Paul says here in verse 22, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before the Father. Jesus desires to keep you rooted in him, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard. So as Father Matt mentioned last week, as we travel through the rest of Colossians, Paul will certainly have some instructions for us. There'll be some do's and there'll be some don'ts. But at the heart of many of these instructions is the call for the believer to invite Jesus and his transforming presence in. He calls it later in this chapter, the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In chapter 3, he'll encourage us to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to let the word of Christ dwell richly within us. Invite Jesus in, into whatever has been going on in your heart, because nothing about what you're going through is too small or too insignificant for him. Jesus wants to hold you together. So that brings me back to this great hymn that we have before us this morning. Perhaps maybe the best way to invite Jesus in this week would just be to take this hymn and memorize it, to let the profound truth of who Jesus is sink into your heart, to take each phrase and chew on it. Let it shape and form your picture of who Jesus is. Let it be the means by which Jesus holds you together that keeps you grounded and rooted in him. People of God, may these words become the great hymn of our hearts, that we might be rooted in Jesus, 
the image of the invisible God, by whom all things were created, that we might be rooted in Jesus, who is reconciling all things to himself, that we might be rooted in Jesus, who holds all things together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.